0: Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrull, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured, for better and sometimes worse, across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Port the T-Shirt Podcast. Oli, how are you brother? I'm good mate, I'm really good, thanks for having me on. Ah, oh, I owe you a massive thank you, um, for, well, for several things, not just the, the example you set, which is um, firing, as I say, but also for doing my, myself and my girlfriend a massive favour by coming on the show. We have worked so hard now. Probably, and I know you've walked that route yourself, you know, one day you take action, You believe Mm. in yourself. You believe in your dream. If You don't take action. No one's going to do it for you. Forget the fear. Take the action. Mm. But that doesn't mean it's not incredibly hard work. And so for the fact that you're helping me out, Ollie, by coming for a chat, is massively appreciated. And I know you're a busy man with another book out.
1: Yeah, no, it's gone phenomenal. But um, mate, I just want to talk over that because you hit the nail on the head of what um, I think, you know, a lot of people seem to think, you know, especially with having the TV show, I'm sure we'll talk about the TV show at some point, but, you know, especially from the, the public's point of view, they think it comes easy. You know, they think motivation comes easy. They think, you know, it's just a walk in the park, but and that's why you know in my books, both my books, I've been absolutely honest, you know, and um, and, and also the reason why this second book is called Battle Ready, um, because really I'm fighting a battle every day, <clears throat> and I think we all are, and and that is the battle of you know everyone centres. How do you keep motivated? How do you keep the motivation flowing? I don't know, and we no one has consistent motivation, but it's it's taking action. It's when you actually and we'll talk about this today because I think it's so important that. Um, creating success, creating, you know, uh, creating anything in your life is about following a process, and that 's what the military guys are so used to doing that 's why the military, the special forces, everything are so good at what they do because when it comes to the crunch, they void emotion, they void feelings and they follow a process that takes them somewhere in the right direction and that really is what happens you know when it, like this morning I got up and i didn 't want to go for a run. I didn't want to go because it's a little bit colder today. So straight away, your mind's going, giving you all these reasons not to go and forcing, you know, go and check your email, go and do it. It's very devious. Go and do that. or oh, you could do this. Or oh, you you did the long run two days ago. But, you know, I, I knew straight away that how good I'd feel afterwards. But the only way I could get on with that and get that feeling is by following the process and put my trainers on and stepping out the door because this is going to tell me every minute, that I should be avoiding stress. I should be avoiding discomfort. And everyone's the same as that.
0: And it's learning Ollie as well, isn't it? You, you learn these things when you're in a bad place or for whatever. And, and fortunately I don't find myself there at all anymore, but I know when I am. And well, to be honest, if I have a drink, <laughs> I normally feel pretty shit the next day. Right. But I, mm. I've done it long enough now to know It's temporary. And there's things I need to do to get out of it. Put the running shoes on, run around the block at the very least. I recommend that twice a week for anyone. Just run around the block. Nothing more. Just makes you feel so brilliant. Cold shower, have a green smoothie, some nut, get some vegetables. And that afternoon I'm firing again and I'm just so happy with, with life. But I think, like yourself, we wouldn't be there, would we, unless we'd done it so many times for, and practised it for so many years? Yeah, no, 100%, mate. And um, again, you know, this is a, I'm a strong
1: believer in this as well, because, I mean, this morning as well, I didn't go on the long run, but I knew that if I didn't go, that would enforce that self-criticism. I put a post on this morning. Self-criticism is an acceptance, is an acceptance speech for failure. You know what I mean? As soon as you admit in your mind, and you can say to yourself, oh, I'm a failure. But as soon as you let, as soon as you accept that, that means I don't have to bother. You know what I mean? As soon as you open the gates of self-criticism, I can't even say the word because I don't like it. Self-criticism, as soon as you open the gates to that, you straight away allow failure to come in. You know, and it's about not letting that happen. Self-criticism is one of the, you know, and I... I'll talk, you know, I've got a lot, we've got a lot to talk about, Chris, Um, but, you know, especially I I went on a trip last year to Costa Rica where, um, you know, to take uh, ayahuasca and which was absolutely phenomenal. And that really helped me with that whole, um, you know, that judgment, that self judgment that we think there's a thousand person audience following us around everywhere, you know, critiquing us. There's no one there. It's just us. We're our worst self-critic. And it's so, uh, it, it, it holds us back so, so much. But, you know, the, you know, the simple, like you just said there, and I say this to everyone, just the act of what you do, not the effort that you've put into it, just the act is enough in itself to change the blueprint it knows in your head that that negativity is not going to beat you. And that's what you need. To, and that's why, you know, my book's called battle ready because everyone's fighting a battle on a daily basis. I'm fighting a battle every day to be the best version of myself. Okay. And that doesn't mean every day that I'm just this, you know, this, this golden child that has this amazing discipline, blah, blah, blah. I have something I know I need to do, but a lot of the time, Oh, I want to say a lot, but sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, like this morning I didn't get up at five o'clock, which is my usual routine. I stayed in bed till seven. I am a strong believer in that as well. That sometimes I don't set my alarm anyway anymore because it just wakes me up when I'm ready. And usually that's five o'clock if I get to bed around 10. But if I stay in bed longer than that, you know, as long as I'm not just sat there, you know, just painting the room with my eyes, then I know that my body needs that rest. But really, you know, for me, you know, like the weekend, I'll I'll be flexible on my diet and stuff like that. But eighty percent of the time, I'm pushing to be the better version, and that's what it really, you know, it's that constant battle, and it is a constant battle because we are wired, we are geared to accept or or chase an easier situation, accept um, uh, or avoid stress, avoid discomfort, and um, and uh, you know. Our life is, the way we're wired, and that's why, I'll go back to the first book called Breakpoint. Really, the concept of Breakpoint was about we've got to be looking to chase that short-term discomfort for long-term gain. Because the way we're wired, again, we're tuned to chase the short-term comfort, which then leads to long-term pain. And that can be relationships, it can be drinking, it can be eating, everything but the way we're wired, we will always chase the comfort. But, you know, it's, it's about self, um, self-analyzing your situation and you, you know, and if your life is all about chasing short-term
0: comforts, then you've got to adjust that because it does lead to long-term pain. Yeah, I think if you follow, follow that routine, you, you'll end up like that Jason Fox. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mate, can't wish, can't think of anything worse. (laughs) (laughs) I just got rid of him actually well I say got rid of him it it was great we were in lockdown together for four weeks Mm. but it was good it was it was awesome because I'm not and and we were laughing because I've not spent that long with Foxy since about 1996 Um, and we did okay so but it was good because we've got business interests together so it helped us really do some planning and stuff like that so yeah it was good but he had unfortunately had to leave
0: yeah, that's a good. Um, you know, if you're with someone when this lockdown kicks in, and, and you and you've got you know share the same interests, whether they be spiritual or business, that's a great. That's a great way to manage the lockdown. Hundred um,
1: percent. You've got to make use of the time, and you know, and you know what. And I keep saying this to people. My second book, <laughs> product placement, uh, behind yeah, me there. By all <laughs> means, um, my second book you know, we talked about with my publisher, we talked about, shall we, shall we not bring this, shall we, shall we wait until a better day? And I was like, there is no better day than bringing that book out now because I came back to the UK around about 2014. This is before I knew anything about SESU Days Wins. Um, and um i knew that i needed to make some changes you know i was i was in that constant battle of wanting to be someone else and and never being able to be that someone else because i was caught in that negative habit loop you know and that you know drink was involved and stuff like that. it wasn't it wasn't a fact i was heavily drinking all the time but it was the fact that the more i drank um the less creative the less productive i was becoming um and it was just recreating the same habit loops it's the same as Anyone making a New Year's resolution about their job, their fitness, everything, I'm going to stop eating, you know, they just end up back on the same old habit loop. So I needed to make some changes and I knew that the only way, you know, after 43 years of of programming, you know, the moment you're born, you're being programmed Then you go to school, you know, all your creativity and everything is is wiped out because they're trying to prepare you for the system Um, and all that years, you're not going to change that through a thought. You know what I mean? A thought's not going to change that because you're discontent. The only way you're going to change that stuff is through a process of repetition of facing the uncomfortable. And that's what I had to do. For two months, I locked myself away. I luckily had a place down in Cornwall, a spare house, believe it or not, um, which uh, was my mum's. And um, I locked myself away for two months. And that, you know, no distractions, no nothing from the outside world. No one telling me I should be doing something else, this, that, the other. It was just me with a sole intention of changing my life. And that, for me, it was a period of self isolation. That is exactly what I put into that book. It's a process that I'm asking people to follow, um, where, you know, it goes against your comfort zone. It goes against everything that says, you know, um, do something else that's a lot more comfortable. It goes against everything that your mind is telling you to follow a process and change your life for good. And that's what happened to me. And whether people like it or not, I am a spiritual person. And I think there's so, you know, I'm greatly invested in that. Um, you know, I sat there in that house uh, day in, day out, following a practice, trying as best as possible, not to be judgmental. You know, I had that thousand person audience saying you look like an idiot. It's not working there, 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 all that going on chat, chat, chat. But I was prepared just to push through it, push through it, push through it. And then at one point, my family was starting to get to me. They were concerned. You know, I was running out of money. I wanted to start a company called Breakpoint. You know, they're like, oh, you're going to have to get a job. And I started to then, you know, doubt myself. You know, the doubt was starting to come in. And then out of the blue, I get the call from Foxy. Sat there with the production company. Do you want to do what we're thinking about doing with our, the company Breakpoint, but do it on TV? And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? It was like a gift from the gods. And some people, you know, people won't see it like this, but I believe me sat there setting the intention to create something massive. If I hadn't have done that, I don't believe that opportunity
0: would have. Been I don't. Created. I notice this a lot with pe- people I speak to, Ollie. And I'm, I'm so fortunate. The whole reason I started this podcast is I wanted to meet and spend my days with the people. Who inspire me? Who will motivate me? Who've been on the journey, you know, a similar journey to I have that have um, taken the time to research this knowledge, which is all there and it's been there for thousands mm-hmm. of years. We're just we're cut off from it by the the parameters of a of a quite a sick capitalist society, and it's quite funny though that when i get these wonderful people they apologize for the way that they are and it's like
1: <laughs> I know, yeah. you know
0: I, I, but it's also a military trait we're like hey i'm like this mm-hmm. and if you don't like i'm like fuck off this is me <laughs> if you don't like, oh, yeah because the spiritual thing it, it, it all we are at the end of the day isn't it we're a set of molecules vibrating at a frequency the same as every single other thing in the universe, yeah. And that is spirit, if you ask me. And uh-huh. it, I think, I think until you realise that, that's all you are. We are no different to a rock. We we kid ourselves. We've got these identities because we're in this form. But with mm. life, experiencing life through a very clever combination of the universe's molecules, that's all it is, and i wouldn't be able to have like reached the level of contentedness that i've got if i didn't understand that so so um don't we're not going to (laughs) apologize no 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 you're totally right mate And, and to be honest you know
1: you you hit you came you sort of scored across the surface of it before but basically and i know you've had a hell of a journey as well mate um i truly believe that until you know it's not the same for everyone but i think some of the best almost inspirational people are the ones that have absolutely been broken apart and actually put themselves together and then allow people to learn from that experience and and you know i i i'm happy, i'm more than happy to say that i you know i i, I feel i've come from the bottom of you know sub zero um, and it's it's that ability to to project yourself from that you know um, sort of repeat cycle of depression and everything else and and self loathing that that really helps you to 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 get on track and get out of that and and really be an inspiration to others, you know. I, I think they become the best teachers, you know, because it comes from true experience. Um, so. You know, when when you're talking about spirit, what is spirituality? For me, you know, I believe that, you know, for me, it's quite simple. It's the fact that we're connected to something a lot bigger than self. You know, and like you mentioned there as well, you know, people, we're so, we label everything. We label every, and Once we've labeled it and compartmentalized it, locked it there, locked it there. Humans weren't meant to be labeled. Humans weren't meant to be, um, you know, Put into these little boxes, and and that's why I think I struggled a lot when I was in the military. And I'm quite, uh, you know, I'm quite easy t- telling people that when I was in the special forces, when I was in the military, I, the only reason I went for special forces is because I wasn't happy. I didn't find what I was looking for. You know, from going from that those childhood dreams and going, oh, I want to be a Royal Marine commando. That for me was enough. I had no aspirations to be a special forces soldier. But then I got there. I was on guard duty at Christmas Eve at four five, Commando, thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, was, and just straight after that, I was just like so disillusioned. And then, to be honest, I mean, the best thing for me about Special Forces was that with selection. Once selection was over and I'd actually reached the goal, and we'll talk about goals soon, once I'd reached the goal, and this is supposed to happen anyway, I was, I was totally disappointed. And that really, you know, some people can get to the goal and they rest on their laurels. Some people, and they dip, so I see so many people doing that, especially a lot of people in the Special Forces uh, sort of community. They're always talking about when they did selection. They're talking about, that's great and totally commendable. And and even for live military guys, you know, I've got my Green Beret or, you know, um, that is brilliant. But the thing is, You've got to be firmly fixed forward. That's the stepping stone of success. That's what builds you from behind. But, you know, your vision has got to be forward. You know, it isn't, my life isn't about what I did back then. My life's about what I'm going to do. You know, that's, that's the big expanse for me. It's not I'm not looking in the rear view mirror going, remember, remember the balcony? Remember? I, wasn't, I wasn't there, by the way. <laughs> But oh, know, like, <laughs> so I was like, number uh, three thousand four hundred. <laughs> like. But you know, it's, it's I've kind of digressed a bit there. But but I see so many people living back there, and I think as well when it comes to mental trauma and stuff like that, people talk about mental health, and I do believe it's because they're forever repeating the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, the stories are all about that experience. What the th- one thing that fucked them up. And I talk about mental wealth a lot. So, mental wealth for me is getting out of that and start projecting forward. Yet use that. That's an experience that will, you know, that that has changed you into the person you are. But get out of it. Get out of it and stop living in it and stop projecting yourself forward. Start setting your goals forward because what happened behind is not going to help moving forward. Um, And I talk a lot, you know, the the book and everything about already is all about goals it's about setting goals. People think, right, that, um, you know, and I've been to, I, I, there's a lot of people that have been to these sort of corporate team building events. And there's always some trainer up there going, so who has goals? And there's about three people put their hands up I have, and they've got them in the wallet or something like that. There's one person puts their hand up and it goes through scratch because they're not sure. Um, but the thing is, what people don't understand is, regardless of whether you have a chosen goal or not, you have a goal, right? And it's what your dominant thoughts focus on. So whether you like it or not, what you think of in here becomes your goal. Our subconscious is a goal-striving, goal-getting machine. So when it focuses on something, it will, it's attracted towards it subconsciously. It will take a left instead of a right because it's aligned with your goals. Yeah. So really, you know, that's the one thing I say to people. You need to have a chosen goal because otherwise one will be found for you that reflects the way you think. And if people wonder how they think, then have a look at their life because that's how you think. If you get in your car and that's a bag of shit, there's shit everywhere. If you look in your house, it's so untidy. I and mean, you talked about this before, you know, having to have everything squared away. One of the main, i tell you what, when, when I was at like my lowest step, one thing I would never compromise on is having my room squared away, making your bed, doing it. Make, Cause if that was squared away, it gives the impression that you have order. So really, you know, if you want to, if you want to understand how you're thinking, if you, if your car is a bag, bag of shit, if your house is a bag of shit, that's a reflection of where your head's at. You know, so. I tell you. So, if I can just say as well, you know, a lot of people that interview people for jobs, I tell you what: once they get them into their office, they should say, "Stay there and give me your car keys," and they should go out and check the car out. (laughs) Forget their bullshit that they're going to tell you about great how great they are. Go and check the car out.
0: Yes, well, that's that's why they check people's Facebooks now, isn't it? Because it, yeah, yeah, Facebook. That was a tough one, mate. Especially coming from the core. Hmm. Because in the core, as 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 you you well know, Ollie, there's there's living legends. Yeah. And then Facebook came along, and then you see what some of these living legends are putting on Facebook, and you're just like, oh oh my fucking god, please no! You used to be like up there to me. Yeah. (laughs) And now you're (laughs) now having some petty argument over this yeah yeah i know it is it is pathetic so some things then that make me feel that way you just describe a good haircut or a shave puts you in that zone a tidy get a tidy desk puts you in the zone and and the tidy car yeah
1: no but it is it if you can take care of the small stuff i mean a lot of my book is about you know i got attacked by a chimp when I was 10 years old. You know, some dramatic stuff in there. And, uh, you know, um, this, that, and the other, but it's really not about the big stuff where I've learned that it's it's, it's taking care of the small stuff. You take care of the small stuff, everything else will take care of itself. But it it really, you know, when it comes to, I mean, My life is I'm not OCD, but I need to I need to know, you know, if my house is a mess, I come back and it gives the reflection straight away that my life's a mess. You know, so as soon as it's in order or look at it another way, when it's in order, it says to me, your life's in
0: order and I need that. Exactly. I'm reading your book, by the way. And can I just say for anybody watching, my God, read Ollie's book. um, You only get a very one dimensional View of you guys on the television. someone did say to me quite recently, you've got Foxy and Billy, Jay. they da, da, da. said, "Ollie's the one you watch out for. When he goes <laughs> off, he's going to go off." And I, i like, that either means something to people listening or it doesn't. I know exactly what what they're saying. And when I started to read read your your latest book my God, you've, you've really lived, haven't you? You know, you really lived.
1: Yeah, I believe I have, mate. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the first to say that my story is better than anyone else's, this, that and the other, but I've got a way of interpreting it and using my experiences um, and reflecting on those experiences and, and asking myself, what was that for? And that's really how you, you know, if, if it's how you look at life. I mean, I, I look at everything now. When something happens in my life, I, when I meet someone, I analyze that. Why have I just met that person? Okay, I analyze everything. Why did it happen? Because I do believe, going back to spirituality, I, we're part of something a lot bigger. Mm. And, you know, they, it's taken me years and years and years to actually, you know, I, I've only really started living for the last seven, last seven years is really where I've started getting my shit together and really starting to enjoy who I am. You know I'm not the type of person that says I wish I was 21 again. Fuck that. And <laughs> <laughs> that was horrendous. <laughs> um, but you know it's um we all have uh we all have the gift to create something amazing. And the sooner you understand that you know our life is a portrayal of our dominant thoughts then you you know you can start to turn things around. And you know a lot of that book also is about the understanding of how we work. Now, a mechanic, if you look at a mechanic, someone who wants to fix a, a motorbike, for instance, he can't fix that motorbike until he understands how it works, do a fault analysis on it, and then is able to get the correct parts, able to make a few tweaks for that thing to be running absolutely at the top of its game. This book, and, and remember, you'll, you'll be at the same age, Chris. Remember when you used to get a motorbike or a car, you used to get Haynes Manual, didn't you? Yes. Haynes manual was brilliant because for the layman, it gave them exactly that. Someone with no mechanical knowledge could open that book and it will give it a fault diagnose, give that person a fault diagnosis, tell him exactly where to look, how it works, what he needs to do to fix it, to get that machine running to the best of its ability. That already is that Haynes manual for the mind, body, and soul, because it gives you an understanding of how we work. We're born, we jump into this this body that we are, and we all think we're fucking experts. You know what I mean? We all fly off on these different fucking journeys, and we haven't got a clue what's going on. We haven't got a clue why we feel negative. We haven't got a clue why we keep repeating the same loops, habit loops. We haven't got a clue. We just think it's very subjective to us. A lot of the time when we are feeling negative, we start to feel doomed that we're, you know, we've been... Um, um, you know, that we've been cursed with some kind of affliction, but really it's, and that's when we start to become very insular, cut ourselves off from the outside world, and that leads to severe depression. But the thing is, you know, as far as we're concerned, we are born to be negative. Cavemen didn't fucking walk out their cave and go, Right, I wonder how many amazing opportunities are gonna be there for me today. They're like, Where's that fucking tiger? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're, we're always looking for what's gonna go wrong. And, you know, that was only 15,000 years ago. We were hunting and being hunted for our food. We still hold the same fear. Technology is racing so fast past us. We haven't got a clue what's going on. Mm. Okay. So, but, and we've still got that old reptilian brain. You know, so we, as soon as anything new that we haven't done before, and really we are so at comfort with what we've done before, as far as, far as evolution is concerned, we want to keep on doing what we did yesterday and the day before and the day before that. Because as far as our mind and evolution is concerned, it's kept us alive till today. It doesn't give a fuck if you're happy or sad, whether it's a good situation or not, it's kept you alive till today. So keep repeating that motherfucker. But the thing is, you have got to step outside that. You know for any change, it wants to keep you in that habit loop. For any change, you've got to put a process into play that is void of emotion, void of feeling. And you know, I've got to go from A to B to C to get to D. And that's my goal, because if you don't set that in, you're just going to keep repeating the same old habit loops. You know, I I, for years and years and years, I wanted my own business. I wanted that. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to create something. And I'd always get to the point. I'm a very creative sort of person. I've done. I'm trained in a um, psychometric testing tool called Prism, which is based on neuroscience. And that basically tells me that I am highly creative. But the the downside of that means that I create all these things, but I don't actually execute. So uh, for me, stepping into the discomfort of that execution of of having to do paperwork and Excel spreadsheets and all that, this is really when it came to Breakpoint, my company, I had to step into that to get through the hardship to to get to the goal. And that was creating that company, Breakpoint, uh, and, and everything else around me. But people have just got to understand that when you're going through the obstacle, they've just got to keep on pushing because your mind and body, your mind will want to keep on taking you back to that comfort zone, the repeat cycle yesterday. And that, whether that's our fuck it, I'm going, you know, I'll I'll sink a few beers tonight, which was, you know, that was my MO for years and years and years. Mm. So much going on in here. And it was also being creative and, and being someone that's quite driven when things aren't happening. Just to shut that up, there's nothing better than a few beers. Mm. You know what I mean? But that leads down a very
0: slippery slope. Well, just, I was saying, I think it was yesterday. Um, I can't believe, like I, I had a beer the other day, I I very rarely drink now. It it doesn't serve any purpose now, Ollie. You know, Mm. I don't know if it ever did really, but you you, you kind of think it does when you're young, the social lubricant and all this sort of stuff. But it screwed me up so much. I lost what I call my serpent power or kundalini, people might have heard it referred to, where I live, literally I live on cloud nine all the time from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. I never have a negative thought and a lot of that is kind of like I've got my diet right. I've got my thinking right. And I've got my life going in the right direction. A few beers, you wake up immediately you've gone from there and you're, I'm trying to go about my day with my mood and yeah. my feeling in myself is now, it's now down here. Yeah, And I'm li- literally, like it's a, like a level of depression, right? Mm. You know, it's not chronic depression, but it's, I'm not firing anymore. And it makes my work seem harder and my relationships, obviously, you know, alcohol, any relationships going to suffer. The thing that bemuses me is I did drinking drugs every day for (laughs) like 30 years. Thirty, years, You know, you go back to when I started drinking in the Marines and later that went on to weed and, and, and then all the other drugs of the rainbow. And and the, and the alcohol is always the mainstay. That's the thing you do every day. That's yeah. the right stop off. On the, my mind was consumed with it from the moment I woke mm. up. It was right. Where am I going to get my booze today? You know do i get it on the way to university do i get it on the way back you know do i if i was at work in the job right should i nip out at lunchtime and i'll you know and this kind of and um to have all that clutter in my mind gone yeah and yeah gone exactly i it's quite It's it's confusing isn't it though it's it's
1: that day honestly it's like initially when i stopped drinking it was like I was thinking, I think it got to a Friday and I was like, holy shit, what am I going to do? It was like there was so much, a massive void there. But then what I started to do is then you start to, to put the building blocks of productivity, you know, fill your time with really good stuff. And then before you know it, you're like, "That how did I ever have time to drink? Because, and that whole, in, everything you've talked about there, that just reminds your whole day is governed about where you're going to get your next drink from, whether you like it or not, especially in your subconscious, that is going on. Whether it's a conscious thought or not, you are thinking, my life is steered around having a beer. And especially, you know, if, if you relied on that social, you know, getting drunk and everything just as, for whatever purpose, you know, you look at your week. I mean, if you made a list now and looked, if you, you're still drinking, you made it, a list to look at your week. How much of that is, is steered around alcohol? I came up with something, and I talk about it in the book, it's called The Purpose Pyramid. And um, really for me, I mean, everyone can try this. It's like, I go through three points now. Um, You know, it's not like a conscious thing I have to do anymore. It's just three three things. And that is, with any subject, now you imagine a triangle or a pyramid, whatever you want to call it. And in the center there, I'm going to put the, the subject matter. The subject matter for me, for instance, is alcohol. First of all, the first question, will I enjoy it? And I don't mean short term. I mean In general you know in long term will I enjoy it second question is will it add growth so this is in the other corner will it add growth and then the third question will it help others so you've got three questions now now with that subject if I can't tick one you should not be doing that there's no purpose you talked about purpose before Chris massively important if I can't find one thing to tick, you should definitely wipe it out. It shouldn't be in you. You, it shouldn't, you should be making, uh, making plans to get rid of it. If you can only tick two, you should debate it. And try and understand, you know, try and appreciate, is it worth, is it worth keeping in my life? But if you can only, you know, and, and if you can only tick one, again, delete it.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm just writing it down, mate. That's brilliant.
1: I it's tell great. people to try, try it with you. Try it with your missus. <laughs> <laughs> See you. <laughs> but hey, no, it's, it's, it's just a process you go through. Will I enjoy it? Does it add value? Does it help others? If so I don't tick any of them, then get
0: rid of it. That's another thing. Two things. I think two. Two. I don't want to say mistakes isn't the right word, but two experiences people put themselves through, which I think are highly toxic. The one is the staying in a relationship where you clearly don't respect each other. And as such, there's no build there. You're tearing each other down on a daily basis. And the other thing is 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 this desperation to be in a relationship. And I spent many years on my own. And... I refuse to be needy needy, Ollie. you know, I refuse, I refused, you know, I'm not, wasn't a perfect character by any means, but I didn't think by bringing in an outside agency, that's going to make me any better. I I thought, Chris, you got to work on yourself, mate, and get yourself in a position where you can give to a partner equally. And when you get to that place, that partner will probably walk into your life. And that is exactly what happened. And ditto, mate, ditto.
1: And that's why, you know, I know a lot of people have heard this. It's like a cliche, but that's why on an airplane they talk about, you know, if there's an emergency, you make sure that you fit your gas mask before supplying it to anyone else, even if it's a child. Because they're saying, you know, you've got to make sure your foundations are solid before you can even think about helping someone else because you're not a help to them otherwise. I was exactly like that, mate. I think a lot of people are exactly like that. You know, I wasn't single till I was about forty. Mm. And then it was it was horrible to go through. I was like, I was I was trading girlfriends like it was a fucking car lease. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like I had to have the overlap. You know what I mean? And and what that is, it wasn't it wasn't love, it wasn't relationships, it was dependency. Mm. You know, what I mean, it was having to have someone there. And when that was sort of, I was, in, I was living in Australia at the time, that was cut away from me. All of a sudden, I was left single. And honestly, it was like, it was hideous. But once I got through, again, short term, and it was short term, although it was a longer period, the short term. Once I got through that, honestly, the glory on the other side of not having, not needing that someone else in your life to feel that you feel, to, to make you complete, or the perception of you feeling complete was so amazing. And I, and I, same as you, mate, I met someone without having that pressure of having to, having to need someone. It wasn't need. I wanted, you know, there's a, there's a big difference. Need comes from an egotistical point of view. Want is, is from the heart, you know. So I wanted a girlfriend and I chose what I wanted and that came into my life, which was brilliant. But if it hadn't have come into my life, I'd have been like, so what? It'll happen when it happens. But, you know, once you get away from that, it's like this dependency. But, you know, and I talk about the hardest thing for me was, I, you know, when I walked out on my marriage. And, you know, unfortunately, there was my little boy there, but we were fighting like hell. And it was just, you know, a lot of people stay in relationships to keep face and to, to, you know, cause they think it's good for the kids, but the kids are like sponges and they see that discontent. They see that, you know, that, and then their interpretation of love becomes what they see as their parents. It doesn't set them up for life very well.
0: No, no, not at all. It's, it, it still makes me laugh. Cause I get so many of our oppos go, I'll have to ask the, you know, my <laughs> other half. and. I can't imagine being in that sort of relationship where I, you know, if I decide tomorrow, I want to go to the jungle, take my machete and fish for piranhas. My partner will say, good luck. You know, she, she yeah, she knows if I need to do it, that's what I need. You know, well, yeah. there might be a bit of discussion, of course, about uh, how long are going to go? <laughs> you, have, you, have got a, you have got a five-year-old son here to look after. but um, and It's the same with finances. I can spend the last 50 quid in our bank. Yeah. I, if I think I need to and it's something to do with the business or, you know, to the podcast, I don't have to ask permission for that. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's a good place to be, isn't it?
1: No, it's, 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 it's the only place to be. Mm. You know, I, 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 we've, you've obviously been in that relationship. I've been in that relationship where you, you're on eggshells. You don't even want to... You, you, you don't even broach half the topics about what you want to do because you know it's going to cause problems. And the only ones that you do is because you end up being pushed into a corner and you're, you're not living. You're really not living. So, um, yeah, good on you for doing that, mate. Yeah, so, a lot of people out there that are living under that um
0: i did one one communist one relationship i did one better than that and i don't know if people can apply this or whether it's just a something that's unique to me but i came out of a seven-year relationship with a girl i very much loved um but it wasn't right it was this disconnect that we you know this mis- mismatch that we're talking about and when I put the phone down on the f- that phone call, I never thought of it ever again. I literally invested in myself and thought, Chris, you don't need to go there. You don't need the depression, mm-hmm. the upset, the tears, the loneliness, the missing, the longing, the what if, the, the criticism. It will not right, mate. Move on. Don't. Yeah. F- and, and I literally... I mean, I don't m- mean I never, ever thought of her, of course not. But I mean, <laughs> met from a sort of, you know, from a bottom dollar sort of perspective, it was, don't think about it, move on. You're not that needy, Chris, that you you got to put all your eggs in one basket. You know, just, just move on and the, the universe <laughs> will, will provide.
1: But I, I do think that's, you know, I, I truly believe that is when you start to understand that you are the most important person on this planet, you know, it comes down to looking at yourself and, and it, it, some people say, Oh, that seems selfish. It's not selfish because once you understand that you are the most important person on this planet, everyone else connected to you, takes so much from you when you have that, when you regard yourself in that way. Mm. You know what I mean? When you, when you're, t- you're, you've got, you know, you, you are then open to give any, anyone what they want but when you're broken and when you're, you're needing, you're looking for, you know, you're in that relationship because of dependency, you're weak and you're not, you know, you haven't got a lot to give, you know, and everything that you do give is paper thin anyway, mm. you know, so really understanding it, That was the biggest thing for me. And I'll tell you what I went, I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, like I said, I did I wasn't fulfilled in the, in the, uh, in the military at all, regardless of Royal Marines and special forces. Mm. and. Um, <clears throat> One thing that I stumbled across that I know some people know this story, but one thing I stumbled across in 2011, I got to be part of an organization called the Gray Man and that was going into Southeast Asia to rescue kids from child prostitution and slavery. Now I went went and did that because, you know, first of all, I couldn't comprehend what these kids were going through. You know, I I sort of moaned not not getting a hug from my dad um, when I was growing up. But these kids were being sold by their families, their grandparents, the parents, and I just couldn't comprehend that. And I wanted to 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 help these kids have a new direction and have a a happy life. And that was the motivation for going. It was enough motivation. It was self-funded from my money I made in Iraq. Um, so there was no uh, there was no sort of payday or anything like that. There was no other reason but helping these kids. Anyway, we went in. We busted kids out of uh, these these camps where they were being held. And they were being sold to the to the drug cartels, to the brothels, and um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the organisation we worked for had announced that we we'd done these busts, and it caused an international incident. Anyway, cut a long story short, we had to escape out of Thailand, um, and I was devastated, mate. I went back to Australia, and I was that was my lowest point ever, the lowest because I you know I I, I invested every penny I'd got. It was something that really I thought this is me now moving forward. I'm going to work for this in, in this sort of in sector or whatever you want to call it. And it was my whole world just fell apart. But the one thing that it, it helped me with is and it, to this day is it showed me the power of helping other people. It showed me the power of investing in people that weren't as fortunate as we are and. Let's have a look at that in general. We've, we've lost the ability to see the value in that anymore. Everyone is so competitive. They want the most Instagram followers, you know, and I see it a lot, unfortunately with the lads from the, from that we used to, you know, ex-military lads as well. You know, there's a lot of jealousy out there and everyone's competing and really, you know, when it comes to, there's nothing, it should be about cooperation, not competition. You know, helping each other is such a gift in itself. Like I say, you know, everyone's fighting on Instagram. Everyone, even if people working in the same team, when it comes to corporates at work or whatever it is, there is that internal conflict going on. And once you learn to drop that and let that, you know, not be in your life and you, you've you invested in everyone else around you, that's just such an amazing gift. I mean, and that's really where our company Breakpoint sort of stemmed from. It was like... a I came back and I thought, I want to help other people. I still want that buzz. I still want that um, sort of adrenaline buzz. And that's why we created Breakpoint. And Breakpoint's mission statement is to create a globally identified brand recognized for the positive growth and development of others. So really, and and that for me, forget the money. The money is a byproduct Mm. of that mission. And that mission mission gets me out of bed it it fires me up every time I think about it and and like I say once you you know I I know I'm digressing on a few subjects here but which I always do but once you learn to push the money outside of that and you follow your passion yes
0: that is when it starts coming that's when I turn the tide you know Mm. is I thought right it's not about the money and it's not about me or my ego or, or my kind of small. I try to make the ego as small as I can these days Thought, Chris, just try and give, be honest and give. Yeah. Um, and then you come across people like, like your friend, Dave Radband, who has a very honest projection of himself. And it's so, so refreshing to see mm-hmm. people bearing their soul, really, which, which, there shouldn't be any stigma attached to that again it's this all this stuff we inherited from generations that had kind of quirky ideas about what it is to be a man and you know what it is to work and provide for your family and all these you know they had their distinct take on it and yes yes very much do you do you have many women turn up for your courses yeah we do I mean <clears throat> To be
1: quite honest, the uh, the way BrainPoint's working at the moment—it's taken like five years to evolve in what it is today—and um, that's really, I mean, we do the corporates a big focus for us, um, and um, you know, it's all about mindset, about process. Talk about process a lot. Um, there's no beastings or stuff like that. Definitely not for the corporates. Um, you know, we spend probably a day with them initially in the in the uh, in a in a classroom-based workshop which is a place called the Academy we've got in Shropshire. Um, and then a small part of the, uh, the, the, the time with us is where we actually give them a mission they've got to achieve. You know, we push them into, their, into, the, into the discomfort, um, which is where they really get that camaraderie. It's like the military, isn't it? You know, you're pushed into very uncomfortable situations where your egos disappeared. Your thoughts, feelings, actions and reactions become organic. They become raw. And then, when you're given a joint task to do, that, that creates that amazing bond void of ego. And that's the same kind of environment that we create at Breakpoint. Um, so, we've got the corporate stuff. We do the public stuff, which is, is really, you know, it transforms people's lives. You know, again, we, it's not but we have one event that is an absolute killer. It's mm-hmm. called Denied, and it's horrible. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. But, you know, that's for sort of athlete level. People come in for 36 hours and it's just non-stop. But generally, it's not about beasting people. It's about people that have got fears, got phobias, and they come along to us. And it's also building that sort of family. You know, they're there with with like-minded people. They're choosing not to go to the pub at the weekend. They're choosing to go on something that they're going to enjoy and develop. And, um, yeah, I mean, a high percentage of of, uh, people that come along are females, especially when Foxy turns up. (laughs) <laughs> what, do, uh, they, do they rock up to beat him up or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um and then what we've got which is something amazing that we've we've just started chris which um is important for me to get on this network and dave radband's involved as well is the breakpoint academy this has been in the making for us for a couple of years now uh, that is we've teamed up with a, a company called orion rail amazing organisation. Um and basically we put uh veterans, and that's not you know, that's not just boot net, that's anyone, any, anyone from the military, um, and we put them through a three day course. And the three day course is about as as really getting that mindset training, that process driven sort of goal setting in person. We put them through a three day course and make them get them battle ready for civilian employment with network, uh with with Orion Rail so we 're taking veterans from the front line in the war zone and we 're putting them into jobs on the front line as key workers at the moment as well so they 're still still working here and that is an amazing project for us to, to see that we've, we've got our first we, we ran our first course before covid um, came in and, and halted everything but We've got those lads out there today you know working on on the uh, as part of network rail and to see that is is just phenomenal it's brilliant so when it comes to breakpoint that is really it sort of the self development train with, with the corporates and the veterans that is breakpoint moving forward and then also on top of that we've then me and foxy have got battle ready three sixty fitness app mind body nutrition um, and we've got a whole sort of uh, uh, uh Load of different stuff happening with with Battle Ready. So, there's loads going on. Loads going on. But you know, it's
0: it's taken hard graft. And how do
1: you
0: how do you manage your time, Ollie? Because I mean, I I know how it is. There's I mean, Mm. writing a book is a full time event. That 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 take that should take about eighteen months full time, right? And you've got to do that on top of all your other commitments. You, it, is time management something you have a an angle? Yeah, on? Well, well, luckily, I mean, first of all, I
1: mean, I've got a, an amazing team around me now, so you know, which is which has allowed me to get. I'm still in there at the moment, but allowed me to sort of get um, above sub subsurface, So my head's above the water now. And I'm working on the business as opposed to being in the business. So it's really the, t- the team around me is, is, is responsible for creating a lot of that time. So outside of that, when it comes to the books and everything else, that's that's sort of my own company, my own entity. That's double O Global Limited. And, and really, that allows me time to focus on doing my books. But really, I mean, when it comes to the books, mate, the content's been in there for years. You know, it's taken me 14, 48 years to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so, and I do work. You know, I've worked with a ghostwriter on that, who's absolute. You know, especially the second book, Battle Ready. I, I uh, it was very much a collaboration. When we filmed uh, the recent series of SAS who Winds, wins, we filmed the non celebrity version. Um, this was up in Scotland. Then we had three days off. And then we film the celebrity version. So, I hired a cottage up in Scotland, and for three days, you know, me and the ghostwriter just thrash through, thrash through all the stuff. I mean, the ghostwriter for me, um, he they know how to format a book properly. You know, it's not the content he's adding in; it's the formatting and how he puts it all together, which is a, which is a skill I don't have. So, you know, I am assisted by someone that that, that knows what he's doing on there, but they're not they're not definitely not um adding any content as such it's all, it's all my content um, but mate time is um time is something you know i, I look back and now my time in the military and i realize you know, i had so much time back then you know now it's like just i do not have a moment spare and it's i'm happy in that chaos though i am happy in that chaos when it's the other way is when i've always had problems you know when it when you're sat there twiddling your thumbs and not knowing what to do and you've got no direction, no specific, and you don't feel you're part of anything credible as such, that's when it, it, it used to be easy to reach for the alcohol. That's when it used to be easy to put myself into self-destruction and disappear for three days on the lash, you know. Yeah.
0: That's,
1: that's when I started to see the problems. And now, looking back, like I said before, once I took the drink away, and I took the drink away, it was series two, S.A.S. At Who Dares Wins. And it was like, I wanted to give the best that I've got for that second series. And I thought I knew how much clarity I got when I stopped drinking. And I thought, just give it just, if you can, you know, if I can't just give it eight weeks, I know I've got a problem. I know I've got a problem because I call anything a problem is something that you can't um, give up. Um, You know, something that you long for, even when you, you know, you desire not to want it in your life, you know? So if it's constantly coming back into you, I think, you, you know, for me, if I couldn't give up for eight weeks, I knew I had an issue and I wanted that clarity. But I got to the end. I can remember we are in the jungle in Ecuador. And we finished and Fox is like, right, let's get on the lash. And I was like, ah, you know what, mate, I feel so amazing up here. Mm. And I didn't want to affect that clarity. And that's when I stopped, you know, I stopped. And then I did have a short spell when I went back into it. I tried it again for eight months. And then I got at the back end of eight months and I went, this is not helping anything. No. It's not. No. You know what I mean? It, it just wasn't helping anything. My training, my physical stuff, my mental stuff. It wasn't the fact I was like kicking ass out of the drink. I just don't. Everything when you get in life, you know, like, like you've said as well, you know, everything from my girlfriend to my vehicles to, to they all have, a, they've got a purpose and everything in my life has to have a purpose if it hasn't got a purpose i don't want it no and, and you know and that's the choices that you're able to make when you're a bit more mature but um you know it's, it's just for me i just still don't understand the point and, and and i now understand the power of this going up there i don't i don't want to create and like you said as well chris it's like you know you're eating you, your diet's good which affects you know it's mood food it creates everything you eat you know if you, you're stuffing crap inside the body then um, you know, it affects your mindset. I always relate that to a car. You know, it's like, first of all, there's so many people that would choose out of two. If they could only choose one, they would choose to clean the outside of the car and not the inside. Wouldn't they? Yeah, the exactly. You
0: know
1: what I mean? They're, they're quite happy to sit in a bag of shit. As long as the outside looks good from the outside world. Mm. And also, you know, they, 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 they put better fuel in the car than
0: they do their bodies. Oh, it's like, they're sorry, right? If I, if I only could give a younger person one bit of advice, the thing that's revolutionized my life, I'd say, learn how your body works. In fact, mm-hmm. I'd say, learn, out, learn your body's alkalinity. Yeah. Since I started to palm a plate with greens instead of the steaks and the potatoes and all the acid-producing foods... I haven't been ill in 17 years, right? I don't get ill. So when I see people and they're getting the viruses and the colds and the flu, Mm -hmm. and they're like, I got this off Dave in the office. And I'm like, you didn't. Your body's acidic. (laughs) All disease comes from within. that, That does two major things there. First, it frees up all that time that you spend every year ill. So that's, I'll get another three weeks on my. (laughs) <laughs> my year and all I don't oh, have yeah. to go through that horrible torture of being sick. Yeah. And the second thing is like, I don't have to believe a single thing I see in the media. So no. I don't watch, so I don't watch TV because it's all lies. It's yeah. all an obfuscation of the truth designed to keep you a, a, a prisoner and a slave. So other than your wonderful program, which I, I watch because of the, the military, respect and the, and and the connection there um and and i'm a celebrity because that is a massive insight into human psychology and you see these celebrities just breaking down after you know four hours in the jungle and it's not really the jungle not not like you know it ollie right it's, it's yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but <laughs> i'll tell you
1: what i'll tell you what though chris um You're totally right. And I I don't want to get too much into this on this podcast, but I really think at the moment, you know, there's, these are testing times and I think it's nothing compared to the test that's going to be ahead of us. And I really hope that people will just keep an open mind as to what's going on and when they make an informed decision about what they do moving forward, because, You know, I I just think there's a lot of civil rights being taken away from people at the moment. There's a lot of, you know, I I put a post on the other day, it was about freedom of speech. And one of the best comments I got on there, which is brilliant, (laughs) obviously wasn't, was you want to be careful with that talk about freedom of speech. And I was like, what, where do we live? What, you know what I mean? So I just really think people need to make an informed decision about, and one thing I've always done, right. and, And it, I was a bit of a pain in the arse in the military for anyone that served, served with, with me or know about it is I ask questions. Mm. I want to know and, and I want to know why I'm doing something. I want to know what the purpose and if if none of it makes any sense, then why are we doing it? It's all about purpose, it's all about purpose. So I really think at the moment, you know, when, you, when people are saying to do things and this that, and the other, start thinking about why, what is the purpose behind that? Does it make any sense? And don't just follow the program you know again talking about spirituality i mean simple thing for me yep it's about being connected to something a lot bigger but for me personally it's when i switch off from the program and i follow the heart and it's all about that because you know if you're just following this this can be corrupted it can be influenced it can be brainwashed you know, and it is on a daily basis, especially if you're wired into the into TV, if you're wired into reading the newspapers. And I'm the same as you, mate. I will not I will not fall into that crap. Because it's just they're designed to keep us in a state of fear, and that's exactly how they can control yeah.
0: us. Uh, and no, I'll just I'll just back up your point is folks, we're not talking about anything specific here because we're not allowed to, because this is YouTube. Um on youtube you have to go by certain official guidelines we're just talking generally speaking after a while you st- you just see the lies and you start to realize how these lies have come down through the centuries from ancient times in exactly almost exactly the same delivery to keep the people you know in in, in enslaved and if you're watching now and you want to be free and you want to, to get out and smash your goals, it, it might just be whatever, taking the family on a, on a holiday every year to a caravan in Cornwall. If that's, if that's what you want to achieve, Yeah, it really helps just to, to think for yourself. and Don't just parrot what you see in the media. Because if you do, then they've kind of got, they've kind of got you, dude. You know. <laughs> yeah, but it's,
1: it's that you know they want living in a state of fear. You know that is, once you embrace that fear and you're only prepared to listen to what you're told, that is that's a dangerous place to be because you just become a sheep. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never allow that to happen. I never have done. It's caused me problems, but it's just one of my beliefs.
0: And we should also mention it's a lot easier to live as a you know living as a coward that's hard you know Mm. that is hard you can't have self-respect if you know you're a coward it's it it's like live like a lion (laughs) don't believe what other people want you to believe just be be firm because it's like this is our children's future Mm. and these sociopathic elitists they don't care about your children you see that you just look at history they don't care about them and yes let's can we talk about the chimp ollie because i was yeah my jaw
1: why do i laugh when i say it because it's the most horrible experience of my my life i always laugh though because it is a funny funny topic what you attack by a chimp yeah so so yeah let's let's talk about that i was 10 years old and um uh, I was 10 years old and I was in Burton-on-Trent, Staffordshire, not, not the jungle in them, you know, in, in anywhere, but yeah, Staffordshire, Burton-on-Trent. And it was a boiling hot day. We end up going down cause we we're going to go swimming that day. And, um, we stumbled across the, the big top in town and, um, so excited, uh, went to the first guy, asked if we could have a look around. Um, and, um, he said yeah sure the animals are out you know but we're setting up so just help yourself lads you know no health and safety or anything like that those days Mm. and um we went into the the big top and you know there was an elephant here and this that and the other there and me my brother and his best mate james got split up and i was drawn towards this small opening on the other side of the tent and i went through and it was a blinding hot day and as soon as i sort of came out sun hit me in the eyes i was blurred for a second but then when my vision cleared, there's a little chimp in the middle of this open expanse. And for me, I was brought up on, you know, Johnny Wiseman, Tarzan, and, and Cheetah was like, he was like my hero. You know what I mean? So that for me was like a female seeing George Clooney. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It was, I was like, that's Hollywood. That is Hollywood. They're right there, that's Cheetah. So I was drawn to it. You know, 10-year-old lad. Next thing I'm over, the chimp looks up at me with these big brown eyes and starts passing me some food. And I'm like, Phew, I'm not having that. It's disgusting. So but I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to sever that moment. So I started taking the food and I was just throwing it over my shoulder, throwing it over my shoulder. And um, it, it, it must've been seconds, but it seemed like a lifetime. You know, it was me, this sort of junior David Attenborough with this chimp having this moment. And then all of a sudden I can remember it to this day there, was, there was, this, it was a noise that was like a fighter jet that cut the serenity, serenity of that moment like a fighter jet cutting through the sky. And it was the roar of something a lot bigger. And I looked and I saw in the shadows, something was moving, moving. And then very quickly it went from shadows to what was clearly a big fucking chimp, massive. You know, it was the chimp, it was the it, little baby's mum. And, um, you know, it was making a beeline for me, you know, and it's doing the old sideways chimp thing. You know, it was just ravenous. It was just going mental. And just at the moment, yeah, you know, I was caught like a deer in the headlights. And just at the moment, I thought, I've got to get out of here, otherwise I'm going to get killed. The sky, the blue sky turned to black as this thing, it was almost like slow motion, pounced over the other chimp into the air, and it landed straight on top of me and pinned me to the floor. 10 years old and it was just smashing the shit out of me. It was like a drummer in a rock band. God. And you know, I can remember that first punch and it was like, <clears throat> winded me, I had nothing left in me. And then it started just to go to town on me. Um, and you know, I was trying to cover my face. It was coming down biting me, it was, it, was, it was mental, absolutely mental moment. And I can remember looking up, there was blood, everywhere. I could see blood on this, in this chimp's teeth. It was, it was not the chimp's blood, it was mine. And it was that moment that I knew that I had to do something. Because if I'd have laid there and allowed that to carry on, then I I would have died. So I managed to dislodge the chimp because it was sat on my chest. That gave me a couple of inches to pull my knee up to my chest, and I kicked this chimp in the chest. And the chimp rolled backwards, and it gave me a few feet just to scurry back. And then the chimp came at me, final attack. And all of a sudden the chain caught it by the neck, Mm. you know, and I'm there covered in blood and uh, the whole place erupted. But now let me tell you, that is why that moment is why my company is called Breakpoint. That's why my first book was called Breakpoint because it was that moment, Chris, it was that moment when I was there, when I was seeing my life in front of me when I was, you know, I could see that I was dying. It was that moment when I knew I had to take a step into the short-term discomfort for any chance of living that day, which was the long-term gain. I had to up the ante. I had to, I had to fight. I had to, I had to you know, take the fight to the chimp mm. for any chance of living that day. And that's what Breakpoint's all about. It's that moment where you can, you know, there's plenty of people, I know it's a severe analogy, but there's plenty of people who would have just laid down and let, 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 let that happen and died. But for me, it was about taking that short term discomfort for long term gain, which was living that day. But the thing is as well with that, mate, is which is important, was important for me to learn. You know, I after that moment, I locked away that intimate trauma, that emotional detail of that attack. I locked it away, compartmentalized it. Okay. Thinking that I could just wipe that out and it would affect any part of my life again. It's now looking back, and I only dealt with this last year when I went to South America and I did ayahuasca. Um, it's only then I've really dealt with it. But I look over my life and I could see how that attack affected, and of course it would, it's 10 years old, has affected so much of my life. A lot, maybe for some good reasons, but a lot of negative reasons as well. And that really affirmed to me that you can't just lock this trauma away, you have to. You have to revisit it. And that's why, you know, with the ayahuasca stuff, I went over to South America with Dave Radband as well. Um, And we went through a number of ceremonies with ayahuasca. I actually went back and physically went in, well, in a spiritual way. I went back and I met the chimp. and I'm now at peace with the whole thing. But it was an amazing and phenomenal experience for me to actually go back and unravel all that trauma, Um, which was extremely uncomfortable as well at the time but it was it was amazing it was amazing but and that's what we're doing as well now i went with an organization called the (laughs) heroic excuse you i went with the heroic hearts you don't get that on the joe rogan show (laughs) i went with the heroic hearts project an american american organization helping people with ptsd um through plant medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that experience, I went with uh, 10 other veterans from all over the world. And some of the breakthroughs were just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And, um, you know, to that end, we have now started, I'm a trustee of the organization. We've now started the Heroic Hearts Project in the UK. So we will very soon be looking to get any veterans that are open to looking at an alternative method of um, uh, or solution for PTSD. To come with us and and go on uh go through the the plant medicine
0: so when you met this chimp ollie yeah i'm guessing it was a very um you know this chimp obviously gave you your peace didn't it and and did did it say something to you in a, in some kind of you know spiritual no mechanism? what it did to me mate uh, what it
1: did for me, it took me back, right? And I was, I've talked about that situation time and time again. I've, you know, I actually do a lot of corporate talks. I actually, not all the time, but I'll talk about the chimp attack and talk about one of my company's called Breakpoint. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm always going on. And, and every time I talk about it, what I did when I, when I was actually there taking ayahuasca, it started it helps, helps you to make so many observations and reflections. And I was there and, and basically it took me, back there and it said to you know I was always the victim always the victim oh me 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 and when I went in, when I was doing one of the ceremonies it was almost like someone saying to me what about the chimp and when I did that and actually took it away from me and I started thinking about the chimp it took it took me out of being the victim of that situation it took it it took me out of me being a part of that situation and becoming the whole situation so it really helped me it helped me with a lot of compassion for what that chimp was going through the chimp was at a circus it was chained up you know it was probably very unhappy i stepped into his environment it wasn't the other way around but as soon as i did that it really took me out of being the victim and once i've done that and like i say it helped me become this part of the um, not just a part in the whole scenario i, I became the scenario and it really helped me with compassion for the chimp, stopped me from thinking of myself as the victim. I did go back in and something I've been avoiding for so long and it was hard for me to break into and At the time, I didn't like it, but I went into the intimate attack and the emotions that I was going through when I was being attacked and um it that was that was hard to deal with, but the thing is you know i it made me reflect and made me understand that. All these years that I've talked about it, I've imagined myself under, the, under this chimp and there's been no real emotion. It's just been like a scrap. Mm. That wasn't the case. I went back there. I was screaming. I was crying. I was, I was in absolute, you know, I, I was dying. I was dying. And I went back and I experienced that trauma. It helped me so much to unravel it all, appreciate, be compassionate about the chimp and take me out of being a victim. You know, it, it, it was such an incredible, incredible experience. And, it, and that then reflected across so many aspects of my life, you know, having compassion, mm. um, you know, through a number of experiences. But for me, you know, and going back there, that was one thing that it really, you know, when you take the plant medicine, it doesn't, you, you have these intentions. It goes to where you you need it, not where you want it. You know what I mean? So you can go there saying, I want to deal with this. It will go to where it's needed.
0: Yes, exactly. I, I, I... I've not done it. Um, mm. I've not done it, but then I don't think I have any unresolved tra- trauma. Obviously, I've had masses in the, in historically because tra- childhood trauma is the, you know, the prime driver of addiction. Mm. Um, not talking to you. I'm telling our friends at home now. Um, I don't tell special forces people what to do. That's <laughs> that, that never ends very well. um i did tell colin mclaughlin the other day he had to put his light on during our podcast and that that's about my limit but um (laughs) a massive thing for for my you know being able to move on with my life was that to start thinking holistically rather than kind of individually and and being the kind of victim and to start think hang on what why is this person behave like this to me What's going on in their life? How did they grow up? Who who was yeah. you know who was giving them a a horrible time? How must they feel as an adult now to go through life with this thing? And once you understand all that, well, it takes all the sting out of what this thing that's you know this experience that's kind of ha- happened to you. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, yes. How, what's the actual experience of taking ayahuasca, and then I've only seen. I've only sort of seen it in, in documentaries. Is there any danger attached to it when you go into this kind of, do we call it a trip or? Well, I mean,
1: it's more of a journey than anything. Journey. So, um, but really, I mean, first of all, anyone that's considering taking ayahuasca, they need to make sure they go somewhere that, that has a reputation that has a history of, um, know they know what they're doing i went to a place called saltara in uh in costa rica and the preparation and everything before we actually took the plant medicine was was unbelievable so and then it's such a controlled environment so controlled and and these people are absolute legends for what they do to control all of what's going on um But, you know, the first, you know, you go into an area, it's called a maloka, which is a big sort of open round wooden building, a beautiful building, actually, uh, where everyone sort of lines out. And in the center, you have the healers um, and um, you the first time you go the first ceremony you go through, they only give you a small amount because they want to see what your reaction to the medicine is. So for me, you know, I got to that first one. I was like, I could feel something, but I just didn't know. It was, it was, it was sort of, it came, said hello, and then it, it went. You know, I was I starting to feel something. And then I was quite disappointed the first time. But then I understand why they do that. You know, it's really because they need to see what your tolerance is like. They need to identify if you are going to have an issue by taking this stuff. But, you know, these guys, I mean, some of the, some of the veterans that were with me, Um, you know, some phenomenal, crazy stories, um, you know, of trauma. Um, but you know, all these people, you know, they were just in such a safe environment, like I say, you know, and, and, you know, if something is, someone is having an adverse reaction to the medicine, then there's people there to help with that. But basically, you know, you sit there and the healers come in, you actually go up to the center of the room, you sit there, you state your intention. Um, and for me, I wanted to, you know, my intention was that I wanted to, I I, I still feel although it's getting further and further away, I still feel that that button of self destruct is not too far away. You know what I mean? And and if something happened, maybe I would go down the path of self destruction again, which is, I don't like that. So for me, it was eliminating any, you know, I, I, I didn't want that to be as part of my life anymore. And I also mentioned that I wanted to you know there was unfinished business with the chimp, um but once you've stated your intention, you know you say it to yourself, then you take the medicine, you go and lay on your mat, and you just wait then and then the uh, the healers come round, they sing you know the native Americans um and uh, you know they, they sing their songs to you and you know they go around each person and basically as they're singing their songs they're drawing it's, it's quite crazy you know when you look at it it's, it's a crazy experience but they're they're drawing the bad energy from you and they've got a bucket they're spitting this bad energy into and it's, it's a very spiritual kind of um, ceremony so uh, and then once that you just lay there and, and be, uh, you the, the main word for me Chris is, and it's a hard word for any military to accept is surrender. Mm. You have to surrender to what to to the medicine. You have to surrender. You have to, you have to. You know, your ego is in the way, trying to stop it from working. And you have to surrender. Once you surrender to it, I think this is a great analogy for life. Once you actually surrender to yourself, you really start to develop in life. You know, but once you, if if you're not prepared to surrender, there's this internal conflict. Going on and on and on and on, it's tiring. So, really, the whole word, you know, acceptance and surrender. You surrender to it and allow it just to take its form. And for me, it was phenomenal. For Dave Radban, who went with me, I took him with me. It was phenomenal. His breakthrough was incredible. And all that's detailed as well in Battle Ready the Book. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd like I'd like to, I don't think it's it's not for everyone. You've got to be open to accept an alternative. But what it does give veterans, it gives them options. And it's all about options in a world that wants to keep cramming, you know, um, pharmaceutical drugs down people's throats. I think it's, you know, it, it, to have an alternative that isn't that is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone that went with me, and I, you know, I'm not just going to say it. The people that went with me said, like, this is
0: like two years of therapy all in one hit. You know, it, it's, it's so many breakthroughs. Even- I think we should point out the way it's not even an alternative, is it because big, ph- big pharma or big pharmaceutical medicine that ain't going to get you in life where you want to go it it's it's very good in the short term it it can deal with your anxiety or your depression or whatever but it it it's still a mask isn't it whereas what you've been through is actually journey to to freedom and no, it's no a solution isn't
1: it I just I just believe you know when it comes to pharmaceuticals when it comes to doctors I don't believe they're there really to that's that's more or less controlling or maintaining the dis-ease I call it dis-ease because it is dis-ease within the body yeah. and that's where all the problems start but that isn't a solution you know it's just it's just like a band-aid um and I've seen you know I've I've, I've seen friends that have died you know that or, or committed suicide when they've been taken antidepressants and, and the likes of. Um, so, you know, it, really the way I see um, that plant medicine is the fact it provides a solution and not just um, a Band-Aid. It's, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing.
0: I wanted to ask you, Ollie, with the experience that your company provides, so Breakpoint, do you get this scenario where you get people rock up there that traditionally would have been viewed as like real successful go-getter type of guys, and yet when they've had a few days with you, or you know the thirty-six hours, they're like, "Oh my god, man, I've just done this," and they made us do this. And the the point I'm trying to get at is we can sometimes perceive people are so kind of doing so well in their life. And yet what we don't understand is like they maybe never slept in a tent before, you you, you know, they've never done some basic.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's the thing. You know, they, they will be, so they will be these go getting um, successful people in their comfort zone Mm. and any kind of success, any kind of breakthrough is all about stepping into uncomfortable scenarios. You know, so, people do do that you know they come along because like i say, they'll come from the office they might be the best go you know the the gun at the office they might be brilliant but they'll come to us and they're they're, they're totally out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. so you know when they when they sort of sit in that world that that ego that drives them when they're back at work is gone it's disappeared so that's why i say you know and that's why you see a lot of emotion and stuff I'll tell you what, celebrity SAS, I think is brilliant. And the reason why, someone asked me this the other day, the reason why I like it, okay, so you imagine those people. Everyone knows these people on the outside. They know their facade. They know the person they're trying to be for everyone else. And then, so they've got a benchmark to come from. Then they see them come on the show, and they can see how powerful that transformation is. Mm. But we can't do that with the non-celebrity, because no one knows who they were before they came on the show. But we know the celebrities. We know, you know, that person is 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 that type of person, and we can see the difference mm. from who they are on the outside in their comfort zone to who they are when they get into, a, you know, into a um, non-familiar circumstances where the thoughts, feelings, actions, reactions become organic. It becomes raw. They break down and cry because the first time in a long time they've seen their raw character, and that's a life change, a bitter pill to swallow, but a life changing one. And that's why, you know, I spoke to Helen Skelton. I was doing an interview with her the other day. And she's like, you know what? She says, I've been on reality TV shows before, but nothing has come close to how that's affected. And it's still with me. Mm. You know, and it's, it's, it's because, uh, and that's the same thing people coming on our courses. They, they, they have lost that connection with their true self. You know, our true self becomes a byproduct of the person we're trying to create for everyone else. And this is so enforced and so amplified by social media these days. You know, this was also a reflection when I went across Costa Rica. We put so much time and energy into the person that we're supposed to be, we become the byproduct. The byproduct is the person that no one sees that's crying in the corner, that has the depression, has this, that and the other. But as long as we can keep the face, as long as we can keep the face for everyone else on the outside looking in, it goes back to what we said before about Everyone will always make sure the car's shiny from the outside. They don't give a shit what it looks like on the inside. You know, and that's, that's really, you know, so the answer to your question, I know I went around the houses a bit, but that is the fact. They come on that and it's about, it's not about us getting them to jump off a tower and abseil and do a fast rope and all that. Forget that. It's the state of mind we put them in. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you can get them into, you know, and that creates, especially, and this is, everyone that's been in the military can relate to this, you know, just because you work together doesn't mean you like people, you know what I mean? It's like, you work in a four-month team, you work in a six-month team, whatever, it doesn't mean because you're in the same team, you like everyone, you like barbecue at the weekends and everything, you can have some of the biggest personal differences with people on that team, but when the ego's gone, it creates a state of vulnerability. And when that vulnerability is there and you're given a joint goal or task to achieve, the camaraderie is like nothing else. And that bond is what us military all understand. That's what, that's why military are, are so close when it comes to doing the job. We don't give a shit how many followers you got on Instagram. We don't give a shit if you, you know, we're a bit jealous of your lifestyle for whatever reason, we know there's a job to be done and all that stuff gets left at the door. And that is a real quality. And that's what happens when people come on our courses doesn't matter how good you were in the office, you're in your comfort zone, then this, this is a new environment. And that is when you can really create that synergy.
0: Mm. The whole Instagram thing is just a weird science again, isn't it? I mean... Mm. ego Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really surprised <laughs> the amount of people I know on it. And I think, you don't run a business. What, 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 why do you want to randomly put your life... I, uh. I mean... Uh, yeah maybe I I don't get it but I'm only on social media yeah
1: yeah yeah likewise and I want to say on that as well though Chris you know it comes down to validation we need to be externally externally validated to feel worthy okay you imagine when we're young kids that started from a very young age when you're running home from school you've got your picture that you've just just done in class you give it to your mum. she goes that is absolutely amazing puts it on the fridge. Everyone that comes around, look at the, look at this picture Chris has done. Isn't that amazing? And from that point in life, we understand the value of validation from an external source. And we're searching for that everywhere. And that's why so many people, the clothes they wear, the things they do, they're looking. When they're posting on Instagram, when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do, look at that, how many more likes have we got from yesterday. They're looking for that external validation. Okay, They thrive off it. And that's what one thing about the military one thing about special forces one thing about that show when that validation is taken away and i can speak for you know going on selection it was the first time i didn't done something and when i came first or came in no one said well done and i was like what oh my god am i as good as i think i am then that starts going the self-doubt starts wheezing away and that's that's what it is isn't it but once you learn to separate the fact that you don't need that validation, your life becomes so much simpler. But we do, everyone thrives off it by the way we look, the way we um, uh, yeah, the way we perform, everything we do. We want the pat, pat on the back. And when we don't get that, that creates a lot of self-doubt, depressions, self-loathing, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So really, you know, I call it egogram. If I wasn't on it, you know, and I'm really honestly considering at the moment. It's a strong call. And I'm looking how I can do it because of my business. Is I'm thinking of just buying a burner phone, having a smartphone for certain times. But as soon as I leave the house or do something, calls get transferred to that burner phone. It's not smartphone because yes, I just
0: yes, I want that exactly. separation. Yeah. yeah, I want that separation. I've um, I ordered an alarm clock, just a cheap alarm clock from China. Yeah, but I ordered an orange one because at my time of life, you 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 go for what you want. <laughs> you, des- <laughs> you, do- you bloody deserve it, and I saw went. Orange was all the my, orange one. Like, orange was my favourite colour as a kid for some reason. It's it's <laughs> like the general the General Lee in the Dukes of Hazards because it was yeah orange. yeah. Remember it well. So <laughs> I I chose an orange one, and uh, but that's because all the time you got that thing in a bedroom is. Irregardless of the blooming microwaves or whatever that, are, you know, the the radio waves that are going around your room, which I won't profess to understand, it, it has a hold on you. So yeah. while you're trying to enter that deep level of sleep, your mind's going, "Oh, I wonder what you know? Did I get a like on this or a?" In my case, it's generally sort of, you know, how well's the channel doing? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Um yeah. So yeah, get it out. Get your phone
1: up yeah. after half yeah. eight at night, isn't it? And... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I um, you know, a, a, another thing I push in that book, battle already, and one thing I sort of live by, and again, I've got an eighty percent. You know, there's twenty percent flexibility in my in my routines and discipline, but nine times I'm always striving to do the same thing. Is that's when I get up, usually five o'clock in the morning. The first thing I do, I don't take my phone off. Um, I don't take my phone off airplane mode. Um, And then I'll go downstairs. I'll have something like a lemon and water. And I then go and meditate, meditate for 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. And that for me, meditation, everyone goes, oh, that's a load of rubbish. I'll tell you what, there's something so powerful in meditation. So absolutely powerful. And and for me, it's as simple as as this. It's my focused attention at an intention. So, that can be, I focus on what I want to achieve in my short term, medium term, and long term. And that's all it can be. And the ability to just clear your mind from all that mind chatter going on is such a gift in itself. And that can help throughout the day. As you can imagine, when that mind chatter is going on, the ability to clear your mind and get rid of that triage of situation into one or two, maybe three things that really matter is so important. So, for me, meditation is is, is paramount. I then go and um, go out, either go for a run as I did this morning, or I'll go to the gym. Um, And it's not until after that where I'll sit at my desk and that's usually around about seven o'clock where I then turn on my phone. Because if you do it the other way around, you wake up, you turn your phone on, all it takes is the fact you haven't got those likes on Instagram. All it takes is the fact that you've got someone saying, no, I'm not open to that opportunity you've just suggested. All it takes is any bit of bad news on that phone and that is going to set you up for absolute... Uh, mayhem for the rest of the day or or just it what what happens for me when i do it that way five o'clock in the morning when i do it that way i take myself to the day and i dominate i don't allow the day to come to me if you're constantly putting your life on snooze you sat there snooze 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 there's a lot of scientifically proved psychological issues that happen when you do that but also the fact the day will come to you if you're you know your life you'll make decisions based on the snooze button and also the day will come to you and you just that you'll be just bombarded by the day when you get up early and you create a morning routine focused on discipline and you invest in yourself that takes you to the day in such a dominant force that nothing can take to, can take you off track
0: yes very well said and um it's interesting how we all come to these conclusions. Those of us that have put the thought in, and 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 a- interesting thing for you in the Bible when w- the, the word prayer actually it, what that means is meditation, not not this God. Can I have a new bike for Christmas? That's what you know. The way religion has kind of um, been twisted, tw- twisted it, yeah, yeah. yeah when Je- yeah. Jesus said. Um, there is nothing that can't be fixed in this world through either fasting and prayer. He meant, you know, giving your body a rest health the mind. Yeah. Give your body a rest from constantly bombarding it with food all the time and meditate and, and the answers will come to you. So it's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, no, it is interesting. I think uh, the whole story of, of uh, the biblical story has been um, polluted, shall we say,
0: Oh, massively! Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. Ollie, I've got. I'm. I'm very c- conscious of your time, and are yours, matey? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I've got to get down the pub. I think it's just just. <laughs> Me too, mate. I'll see you there. <laughs> I'm going I'm to meet my crack dealer on the way. So, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask. There's three think Three things left. Yeah. Um, one of them is. When you put yourself through that tunnel of ice cold water, uh, wh- wh- remind us which part. I was of in Chile.
1: Place. I was in Chile.
0: It was chilly, wasn't it? <laughs> it was fucking <laughs> freezing. <laughs> so we did all that. I call it being in the Marines when I was a kid, right? So we did that as kids. And so you, you throw yourself in Peter's Pool in February, break in the ice. You just do it, right? Mm. Now, at this grand old age of um, 26. <laughs> I, I feel the cold a lot more than i did back when i was you know back when i was a marines recruit was that hard when you did that yeah it was
1: mate um and and you, I'm, I'm i'm the same these days you know it, it, i do find it i think it comes down to choice doesn't it because it, i choose not to be cold i think i'll tell you what the best advice i got when i was in the uh, military any fool can be cold Yes. So you know, and I choose not to be cold, but yeah, it was hard, mate. But the thing is, I mean, that the end result for me, and this is this is what I always say to people: you, you use this as um, let, me t- let me let me let look, me look at it this way. Right, the end result for me was the goal. The goal was to be able to do a good demonstration that showed these people, the candidates, and showed everyone out there what we used to do, you know, and how good. Uh, controlling those emotions were you know we we were basically on the um you know in front of so many people so that for me was making sure that I look good you know and not sit there shivering I had to look good for camera so that was my incentive my goal was to 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 give the best performance possible I was related and that was my goal right and I always relate this and I say this to a lot of people you imagine these days Chris me you were stood next to a lake right And it's freezing cold in the middle of winter. Ice is forming across the lake, just about. And I say to you, jump in there, mate.
0: What would you say to me? Ollie, you're talking to a man that got 5,000... When he got 5,000 subs on YouTube, which was (laughs) back in (laughs) ice-cold February, I chucked myself in the sea. But I'm... You know why I chuck myself in the sea? It wasn't to do with five thousand subs. It's that we've got to keep challenging ourselves to fight our fears. But yeah, I'd, I'd say, Ollie, get lost. Let's
1: let's push yeah,
0: sure. Let's go. For down sure. the- I'm glad
1: you said that because I'm probably chose the bad example if someone wanted <laughs> to work on that. But the thing is right. So now I've got the person that you absolutely love, and I grab them and I chuck them in the middle of the pool, and they're drowning. What do you do? Do you, think you, you, do you think you give a fuck about the cold? Hmm. You don't, do you?
0: Of course no. not. You wouldn't even feel Is it. That,
1: yeah, so for me, when I look at that, I use that as, a, as an example of how you should have goals in life, right? I've turned this around a little bit. But for me, what happened then? Your goals outweigh your circumstances, don't they? And if we don't have a goal that, may, that overwhelms our circumstances, we, we become a victim of our circumstances. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's exactly. why, you know, I talk, yeah, that's why I talk to, so, you know, say to so many people, you have to have a goal that is more powerful than your current circumstances. And that for me on that day, the goal was more important for me than the cold. Mm. You know, but it was fucking cold.
0: <laughs> mate, you were very, very good. I was proud of you, mate. You made it look... Very... i tell you what though, mate, a lot of people,
1: I get messages, right? A lot of people saying... You always draw the short straw. And i tell you what, mate, I, I'm always want one grabbing the straws because that kind of stuff for me makes me feel alive. And I think it's so important that we don't just gob off on the show. You know, it's about us leading by example. It's the same thing as, we, you know, the guys used to do in the call. Whenever you're asked to do something, someone will give you an example, give you a demonstration. And that is really important for that to happen. Because you imagine if we hadn't done the demo, right, you're not getting there. You know, it just it's almost like subjective beasting, you know, And it's, unless it comes from a place of, you know, giving a good example and experience, it creates a, a very different, it inspires
0: people as opposed to makes them feel like they're being bullied. It's interesting you say that because we had a mad, uh, Jock troop, troop commander in training, <laughs> Jock Hutchinson, just say hello, very, just a real man's man, right? And when we got to the, the, I always get confused. Is it the sheep dip where they put you underneath the the concrete culvert under the water and then you've got to be pulled out the other side? Yeah. And like I, I say, this, I is, this is February, right? And the PTI is talking us through, right, fellas, you're going to need to do this. I don't think we're even, we weren't even doing it ourselves. We were just walking the course at the time. And our troop commander just hops up, goes, right. I'll show him. Right, it's like this: you get on that side. You, you're pushing me through, and he just jumped down in the water and went through. And it's that thing. He didn't have to do that. He's a left hand. No. He's done all his training. He could just have sat back and watched. You know, watched us kind of doing our thing. But no, he made sure he was the first through and put in. And not just he's a stronger man for that, but we're we're all stronger men for you know having that. Example yeah. sent to us. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Two last things then. Who have you had on the show, Ollie? That you think? Do you know what? Actually, you know, in another time, in another place, had they had the military background, this this person's SAS, you know, real SAS material.
1: Um, well, I'm going to mention the celebrities on this one because you know that that's what people, even if they haven't seen the show, will will know so a real strong character was was um was Wayne Bridge footballer
0: mm.
1: absolute tough as nails mate and um yeah he was just a you know just from day 1 he he was he just he was steps you know he's way ahead of everyone else and um you know I it's, it's hard to say would there be special forces material because everyone knows it's a long process that that um you know it's, it's we don't even, even scratch the surface on the show but but Wayne you, you can see when he came on that show he wasn't there for anyone else but him you know and he, he had so much fight in him and so much you know and he he's he just one of those blokes you, you everyone knows a decent bloke that would fit in you know our, our sort of old uh
0: you know in our old environment and he would definitely would yeah I, got, I really got that impression from him as well. He'd been yeah. through a lot of hardship, hadn't he? I, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. Had he been through some, some loss or tragedy?
1: Well, to be honest, I mean, he'd been through the whole situation with his uh, misses. you know, one of his teammates, and all that trauma, uh, emotional uh, trauma. Okay. Yeah, and as we know, you know, that kind of stuff makes you stronger if you choose to let it. Yeah, got you.
0: Right, the last thing, Ollie, um, I almost begrudge asking you this because I don't want to come across as cheesy or trite, but I can tell you now, a lot of my younger viewers, would, they would literally kill me if I didn't ask you this question. <laughs> what is the difference between the British SBS and the American Navy SEALs? And and who's best?
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? I always say about the British military being the best in the world because we haven't got any money. So we're we're jack of all trades, masters of none. But one thing I'll say, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to um, the SBS and the SEALs, I just think we have a bigger... um, a bigger toolbox. You know, we're, we're good at a, a number of different skills. Fortunately, the Americans do have a lot more money or budget um, for the military. So that when it comes to, you know, they'll get one person to hold the rifle and the other person to pull the trigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I just, sorry, but um, I, whether you call me by or still what, I just think the SBS are, are absolutely amazing. And um, I'll put them at the top of the pedestal any
0: day. Yes. And um, what I was talking to somebody the other day, SBS, and they said um, they hadn't done the dive course, which I was really surprised about. Um, They'd gone straight out to the Middle East, basically and hadn't fi- had they started the dive but hadn't finished it i was really um yeah i just i think a lot of that that's that's
1: just because of circumstances isn't it i think there's quite a lot of people that they join the sbs and because of the demand out in afghan and and various other um, theaters I, I just don't think they had time to do that so <clears throat> although they join joined the sbs uh, and you know it is quite a specialist skill, the sbs it's not to say we don't you know we obviously can do everything we do on land anyway but our specialist skill is uh, is waterborne operations and insertion um but you know in a theater that's not demanding that then what are you going to do stick people on a dive course or get them out into into yeah. the war zone as quickly as possible to be to support the other lads so i think that was just circumstantial and i, I certainly know
0: there's a few people saying yeah no i think i think you're you're exactly right and just the two two last questions ollie uh, from just from a physical perspective, for those of us that have found our physical prime at fifty years old <laughs> <laughs> um, what what's kind of the hardest uh, like running type or marching type event you do, and what's the kind of hardest swimming or diving on selection um, yeah
1: the hardest the hardest part, and i don 't know if they do it so much before because um, Not many people know this, but I was one of, I think I'm one of three people in the world that has done the old SBS selection and the new SAS selection. So I, you know, I did my first selection, got to the end, and there was a bit of an altercation with the Welsh farmer on the combat and survival, uh, which meant that I got RTU'd at the last moment. Uh, And when I went back, that was was the old special boat SBS selection which was um, we used to join with Hereford for the, the trees and also combat survival at the end. But the rest was sort of done uh, individually. Um, so the then trees, I went back is after. That,
0: is that the jungle, the trees? Yeah,
1: the jungle, sorry, yeah. Um, and then when I went back, it was, it was the first, oh, I did the second course, I missed the first one. I did the second course of the new selection, which is the joint selection. Um, but on the first selection you we used to do a thing called a portage which is nine miles with a clepper canoe mm. and that I mean I th- we've actually got it coming up in um, SAS who there's wins in the next I don't think it's I don't know if it's tonight's so on Monday or whether it's next week but it's coming up anyway but basically that is where you split the you know the bones of the canoe it's a two-man military canoe a clepper Um, that you take all the bones out, which is the wood parts. Uh, Someone carries that and someone else carries the skin. And you had to carry that for nine miles. I think that's probably the hardest march I've ever done because the weight was just insane, insane amount of weight on your shoulders. Um, And then what was it, the swimming was the other question? about. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: To be honest, you didn't, I mean, you had to be a good swimmer But really, you know, it's it's, it's showing a level of uh, swimming ability when you're on selection. I mean, the hardest swims we did were surface swims when we actually joined the SBS. You know I mean? You would do a few k surface swim. And also, you know, some of the ops dives you did, you know, some of the, you know, you only use, use diving in the SBS as a means of transport, as a means of transit. You know, I get three meters below the surface thereabouts on a rebreather um, at night, usually just following the compass board to target. Um, and some of those were absolutely hideous. But the surface, you know, subsurface was actually easier than doing the surface swims. You know, you do 5k surface swim. It's just hideous, hideous.
0: Is this, is, is this where you've come up to the surface in, in your dive gear and you're finning, say, ashore? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's correct.
1: And you can have, or you, you know, you, you, you could be swimming out to a target or for extraction, you could be swimming into target um, and you could more than likely have an ops bag as well. So you'd have like a, an Ortley bag with all your ops kit in there. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you're swimming, you know, you just stationary because you're swimming against the tide you just got to swim against the tide until the tide changes or, or, or becomes high tide or low tide before you can carry on. So it's, it's, it's just horrendous, hideous.
0: I found that hideous more than going subsurface. Wow. Ollie, you've been absolutely enlightening. Thank you so much. Um, please just stay on the line while I kind of say goodbye to our friends at home because I've got a couple of things um, I'd like to say. Um, but yeah, massively, massive thank you for your example. I think you're a shining light for in a, in a, in a world full of... Are we allowed to say shallow celebrities? Um, <laughs> the kind of people you don't really want to be following. You, 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 you're, you're blazing a trail, mate. And so thank you on behalf of our young people.
1: Thank so, you, everybody... mate. And, yeah, and sorry, sorry to interrupt Chris, but I just want to say to you that, mate, I was keen to do this because you're getting the message out there and, and, and you're inspiring
0: so many by providing this platform. So thank you. Oh, yeah. I just do my best, Ollie. And isn't that what you, they say to you when you're a kid? Just do your best, isn't it? And, and as long as you do that, the, everything else falls into, falls into place. Fine. So to everyone at home, massive thank you for watching another episode of the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Huge love to you and your families. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.